So for those of you who might not be familiar with these um, retreats and our monastic tra uh, traditions, this wasn't just a spontaneous uh, urge to recite some Pali from uh, Veronica and Nadisha. This is uh, traditional ways that the um, uh, Dhamma is uh, requested. So that this is, uh, uh, you'll find the, the verses there in the chanting book. So that I think there's a, a sign-up sheet for future occasions if people want to also make the request because uh, the spirit of teaching Dhamma is that it's not sort of uh, dumped on you. You have to uh, request uh, to, uh, to hear the Dhamma. So our rules prevent us from going up to people's doors knocking on them saying, can I tell you the wonderful, <laughs> marvelous, life-changing truths of the Buddha? So that is verboten. We're not allowed to do that, uh, uh, which uh, is, I think, one of the things that attracted many of us to Buddhism. Uh, so it, there needs to be an openness and interest in the heart of the individual in order for it to really be benefited. So just as immediately after the Buddha's own enlightenment, his first thought was, uh, no one's ever going to understand this. Yeah, There's no way I can explain this. This is uh, what I've understood. Uh, goes so completely against the, the grain of uh, uh, ordinary human life and understanding. So I think I'll just go off and be a hermit. I won't try and uh, share this understanding or put this into words. or Because uh, if I try, it'll just be uh, wearisome and a, a bother to me. It'll just be... Uh, a vexation and um, the uh, the words of the request recount the incident where that uh, that thought had appeared in the Buddha's mind and then this Brahma deity called Sahampati picked up that thought through the the airwaves and then immediately felt oh no you know the newly awakened fully enlightened Buddha uh, after all these ages a Buddha has appeared in the world and and now this newly awakened Buddha is disinclined to teach, so quick, do something. So uh, Brahma Sahampati uh, made an intervention and uh, beamed down from the Brahma world and appeared in front of the Buddha and said, please, for the sake of those with just a, li a little dust in their eyes, please uh, share the understanding that you have, please share the Dhamma. And the Buddha listened to that, uh, that request, that uh, entreaty, and um, uh, having developed uh, all sorts of uh, great uh, abilities. He then cast his eye around the world and saw that the, the Brahma deity was correct, that there were some beings who were really um, dense and uh, uh, caught up in their own uh, perspectives and would never understand. But there were also those who had uh, uh, good, keen faculties, bright faculties and uh, as he's put it, it was just a little dust in their eyes. And so he said, all right, <laughs> I'll teach. And so we are the um, uh, happy inheritors, uh, the, uh, those who have received the results of that uh, entreaty, that request by the Brahma Sahampati. So thank you very much. <laughs> but uh, the Buddha was persuaded to, to teach and then did so for the next 45 years, traveling all over Northeast India, the Ganges Valley, what's now Bihar, Uttar Pradesh, Himachal Pradesh, uh, other regions, um, to share his understanding with those who were interested, those who uh, asked him to explain. 
uh, what he what he had seen, what he had uh, understood, what had made his um, heart so peaceful, so uh, so wise. So today, here we are, uh, twenty four hours after, or more, a little more than twenty four hours after having arrived. And uh, on the first day of a retreat, it's always a bit of a shock to realize we've only been here one day. And I'm used to doing these retreats. <laughs> and uh, I'm in the driving seat. so. Uh, but uh, it is surprising uh, how long a single day can be. <laughs> no, that it can't be right. We must have been here more than a day. I mean, and then... Count how many times the the uh, the sun has gone down and the the uh, stars have come out and the morning bell has gone. Yeah, actually, actually that seems to be correct. <laughs> it's only been one day, but uh, I, I feel it's it's often because a day spent with one's own mind, uh, rather than being caught up with traveling around the London Underground. Um, Engaging with family, uh, correspondence, uh, going here and there, dealing with your list of things to do, being somebody doing something uh, in uh, in sort of busy relationship with the world in a, in a dozen uh, different ways, it fills up our hours and our and our our, uh, our time very easily. But when we stop talking to people, and the range of activities is sit, stand, walk, or lie down. As Joseph has been saying, <laughs> it kind of uh, limits the range of distraction, and uh, our our mind and the landscape of Amravati is the only thing to look at. So uh, the uh, uh, the hours are less um, occupied with activity and responsibility um, and so forth. So it's, it, we're given the impression that there's a lot more hours in the day than. Than we were aware. So at the end of this first day, I, I always like people to to encourage people to look back over this time and to to consider the different moods and changes that have occurred uh, during this time when we've arrived and got settled in, and the, the the dark of the night has come. The stars have come out, and then the, the night has passed. The dawn has come. We gather in the morning, and then. Uh, morning meditation, the breakfast work period, the um, uh, morning meditations, the reflections being offered, the lunchtime, afternoon, the uh, evening tea time, yoga session, and now here we are in the evening. So how many people have you been today? <laughs> how many different people uh, have, uh, have uh, so we, uh, uh, we embodied? During the course of the the last twenty four hours, we have the the uh, the ardent meditator. I'm sure there's been a few of uh, a few of uh, of those. There's the um, uh, <coughs> the 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 slug with a mind of wet cement. The kind of there's the uh, enraptured uh, sensualist. Oh, the spring, how beautiful, how wonderful. The trees burdened with blossom. Their branches bent with the beautiful, uh, beautiful pink flowers. The glorious flaming tulips. The delicate forget-me-nots. 
How wonderful, how glorious, how marvelous. And then there's the other mind, the other person that we can be, the, the kind of curmudgeon that says, spring, bah, it's really sickening. All this stuff, all this color, all these things. And then, <clears throat> according to our own particular disposition, our character, yeah, our own uh, uh, habits of thinking, yeah, maybe some of us have been blissfully happy much of the day that we've been a, a kind of uh, embodiment of a, of, a, of, a, of a smile, just sort of been an ambulatory smile, wandering and saying, this is so great, this is so wonderful, I love this place, I love these people. I love Buddhism, I love meditation, I love my mind. <laughs> hello clouds, hello sky, hello tulips. There might have been a few of those. <laughs> yeah. And then there might be that mind that says, spring, what? Oh right, yes. Yes, there are flower beds here. <laughs> there is the weather, oh yeah. So preoccupied with our own thoughts, our own list of things to do, our, our long list of uh, crises that we have to negotiate with. We haven't even noticed the, the weather or the people around us or, oh yeah, right, there's a retreat. I'm on a retreat, that's it, yes. <laughs> but so much of our baggage of, of uh, responsibilities, conflicts, cares that uh, we brought with us from our, our work environment, the troubles with the business or the conflict in the, uh, in, in the department, the uh, plans for the wedding, etc., etc. We can be so filled with our own inner world that we don't even notice what's going on around us. So it's not that um, the, uh, the, the, the slug with the mind of wet cement is uh, worse than the uh, enraptured spring lover, uh, or that the um, concerned, uh, responsible uh, uh, head of department uh, is is a, a better character than the um, the one who's carrying around resentments for a, 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 a someone that we've had an argument with. These are all different characters that uh, say can uh, pop up in our minds. And I should also say that I, I'm, in case you're thinking, how did he know? Was he listening? Has he got a has he got a camera in my boardroom? Yeah. Was he? Has he got a spy in my kitchen and saw that argument <laughs> between uh, me and my kids? Yeah. But no, I'm not psychic, and I have no spies, no cameras. It's just uh, I'm observant of human nature, <laughs> familiar with how how our lives go and the kind of things that can easily you know, occupy our, our attention. So, just working on the law of averages and guesswork. So it's helpful at this time to consider how many people have I been during the day? The noble spiritual aspirant, the lazy slug, the, the, um, uh, <coughs> the busy thinker, the, um, you know, the careful worker. To observe and see these different characters, these different patterns of, uh, of feeling and perception. Some of them are noble and wholesome, some of them are ignoble and unwholesome, and a lot are somewhere in the middle. So I like to use the image of the inner committee as a way of 
relating to our minds. So we, we tend to think of ourselves as one thing. We have like one name. Well, some of us have one name. <laughs> some of us have got a few more than one name. <laughs> we generally have one name. We have one, this body. We have our general identity. And we think, well, my mind is just one thing. But I, I feel it's often much more helpful to consider our mind as a, a committee with these various different members of the committee that sit around the table and you have the the wise, noble aspirant, you know, the careful, caring, considerate and compassionate being. You have the um, hunger demon sitting there, the, the, uh, the, fu the fussy three-year-old who, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what I want, but I want it now. Like the, the wonderful girl in the um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I don't know what I want, but I want it now. That, uh, all these characters gather around the table and uh, uh, join the meeting so that uh, uh, if we are uh, wishing to guide our lives in a skillful way to develop the skills of meditation to use the, the Buddha's teachings then it's a, I find this is a, a helpful way to consider that uh, we are, we are multi-dimensional <coughs> beings uh, as the humans we have these different aspects uh, of our minds so you're the noble and high-minded and beautiful the, the worthy and the, the practical the um, the calm and the agitated and the the uh, the childlike you know like a the mind that wants you know that reacts and uh, wants to have everything its own way the kind of reptilian the the voices of the reptile brain that says my cushion back off yeah. Don't don't touch my chanting book. <laughs> or that is uh, calculating the uh, the the amount of food left of your the amount of, of your favorite stuff left in the in the, the food line and and uh, is uh, solely focused on on uh, uh, getting your own things, getting uh, the food that you want, or the or protecting the space that you like. Uh, I want my space to be like this. I don't want it to be like that. What we can think of as the reptile brain, that sort of a non-verbal reactivity in relationship to food, sex, territory, aggression, uh, and so forth, uh, fear. These, these are all aspects of our own being, our own mind. That you might think, well, I'm reptile, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, Ajahn. Um, I've joined the meditation retreat. I mean, this proves I'm spiritual. But it, isn't it interesting when you you found the perfect walking meditation path? You think, oh, it's just right that beautiful cherry tree, and it's just in blossom, and and there's that really nice of dandelion that's just perfectly blooming, and so I'd walk between the cherry tree and the dandelion, and I'm kind of, and it's just you know, from the east to the west, perfect, absolutely, just how it should be, and then someone you come out for the walking period and someone's taken your path it's a good opportunity to witness the reptile brain like that's my path what are you doing here that wants to uh, have that person you know, abducted or arrested or uh, somehow informed by you know you um, letting them know that you just stolen their territory invaded their space so uh, Again, I'm not. Really, I'm, if any of you are thinking, how did he know? I didn't. <laughs> 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 
but I, it's just the way that our minds work. I've had that, that experience uh, myself a few times. So, uh, in terms of developing the practice and using the, the Buddha's teachings to find uh, uh, peacefulness, clarity, and this develop this quality of, of well-being, then uh, this is helpful to, to recognize that we need to respect all the different characters on the committee. If any of you who have ever sat on committees will know that if you're, particularly if you're chairing the committee, if you, if if the mind is is selective and biased, and you say, well, I don't, I don't want to listen to you. You know, you shut up and be quiet. You don't have a, <laughs> you don't have a say here. As soon as you talk to someone on the committee like that, then you know it's going to be a long meeting. <laughs> this is my experiences. As soon as you are, are if you're chairing. If you are disrespectful or resentful, or you are, um, as a re- reject the input of someone around the table, or you are um, favoring the the ones that you like, or the, whose opinions exactly match your own, <laughs> then it becomes very uh, contentious and difficult. So, uh, if we uh, take this uh, this model and uh, pick up some of the themes that we've been saying today about establishing our practice around uh, acceptance and loving-kindness, then there needs to be an open-hearted listening. Even when one of the voices around the table is the ranting three-year-old, I don't know what I want, but I want it now. Why can't we have ice cream for breakfast? It's too hot. I know this is England, but it's too hot. It shouldn't be so hot. It's the wrong temperature. I can't practice when it's hot. So there. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous when you say it, but have any of us had that feeling today? Again, I'm not reading anybody's mind. <laughs> but it's like that, isn't it? So we have to be respectful of the ranting three-year-old, the, the, of the pure-hearted spiritual warrior, the... Um, the rational intellectual. Well, it really is too hot, Arjun. I think we actually ought to have a, a very finely tuned uh, air conditioning system that's eco-friendly and completely silent. I know a very good manufacturer. I can connect you with... You know, I can give you the link to the website and show you exactly how we can make this the perfect environment that will sustain the absolutely ideal temperature at all times so we'll be able to practice. Some of you might be thinking, oh, really? <laughs> so it's important to listen to that, the, the, uh, the thoughtful rationalist, and say, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> but right now, uh, it's this retreat, and there isn't that ideal air conditioning system here. The room is like this right now. So we uh, establish that attitude of, of a radical acceptance, which means to listen to receive the, the voices around the table, even the ones that are distinctly wacky or out of order. Uh, you think, well, even the ranting three-year-old, well, thank you for sharing. Yes, well, the idea of ice cream for breakfast is, uh, is appealing, but that might not work for everybody. <laughs> so uh, let's save that idea for later, and we can think about it some other time. So if we're sincere and uh, say, 
and listen to all the voices, the wise and noble and helpful ones, and the uh, the weird and unexpected and crazy ones, then that establishes uh, a harmony around the, the table. So any of you, again, any of you who've been in meetings or been on committees, you know that when when a, a meeting is chaired well, then it can bring together a very broad range of different perspectives and feelings, emotions, and uh, and to and can draw them together, hold them, and then help guide the meeting to a a, a beneficial result. So in the same way, what we're we're doing with our practice is trying to put mindfulness and wisdom in the chair. Satipanya, mindfulness and wisdom. So when that that quality of mindfulness and wisdom uh, is there, then it it's able to. Uh, to know, to observe, and to receive all the different themes and likes and dislikes, comforts and discomforts, and the different opinions and perspectives that the mind comes up with during the day, receives them, integrates them, and then uh, can uh, uh, bring forth uh, a skillful response in relationship to those. So in, in terms of developing well-being, and the, the root of well-being. That, uh, in exploring this and looking at this, I, I feel that this attitude of radical acceptance, or metta, uh, metataya, that kind of friendliness, benevolence, that, uh, what I like to call a radical acceptance, is, a, is the, the basic and necessary foundation. That, that, and you can also summarize it as recognizing that everything belongs whether we like it or we don't like it, whether it's uh, uh, constructive or destructive, uh, everything belongs. It's all a part of nature. And that that, that recognition of, yeah, this, this, uh, this belongs, even the impulses in our minds of selfishness or greed or violence or yeah, anger, the uh, desire to hurt someone. I mean, a few times recently Joseph has been talking about... Uh, at times in his life where he said, consciously, I actually wanted to hurt that person. Like, I, I, I know that who they are, I know what they've done, and I don't like it, and I want them to be hurt. <laughs> so to know that, that feeling, to say, well, yes, uh, that's part of nature, but then uh, on, uh, <clears throat> on that basis of acceptance, it doesn't mean that we approve of everything, so that if you might get that feeling of like, I want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt Joseph. <laughs> I'm looking at him. I want to hurt you. You know, well, that's that's a violent impulse. It has its place in nature, but if it's followed, then it's going to be painful for that person. It's going to be painful for me, and everybody loses. It'll probably freak out everyone on this retreat if I suddenly attack Joseph. <laughs> Kicked him in his back. Well, he's got a good. One knee is good as a steel one, and then the other knee that's uh, that's bad that is not yet steel. <laughs> so I kicked him in his bad knee. You think, oh, what's Ajnamaru doing? He's supposed to be. They're supposed to be the Dhamma teachers. They're having a fight. Eek! So everyone loses, and then the retreat managers would have a, a lot of notes to deal with. So that would be a, a, a major loss on, on, on all on all sides, 
But if instead there's that recognition, yeah, but violent impulses are part of nature. They belong. But if they're acted on, then what's the result? So uh, when we talk about uh, loving kindness or this attitude of, of a wholehearted acceptance, a radical acceptance, uh, the partner to that and, and part of the theme of this retreat is the ability to discern what's wholesome, what's unwholesome. What are the consequences of this? So if I have a, a, a wholesome impulse that uh, I feel uh, Joseph is a great guy, he was my teacher, I wouldn't be a monk unless it was for Joseph, he was my Ajahn, and so because of him, when I came through the, the gate at Wat Pananachat in northeast Thailand 38 years ago, as a scruffy hippie off the beach, it was because of him and his kindness and his uh, uh, openness that I thought, oh, these guys are all right. Yeah, I could I could stay here for a bit, two or three days. <laughs> so that that was just passing through. Yes, that was January of 1978, which is before considerably before some of you were even born. So that uh, wholesome impulse. Joseph is my friend, the Kalyanamita, and I want to help him. So then we can think, well, the consequences of that. Uh, are uh, are pleasant, are delightful. If I have a, an angry or violent impulse, then the consequences are are, are painful and uh, uh, ongoingly painful. <laughs> so, when uh, we have that uh, attitude of radical acceptance, then its partner or the way that needs to be, um, say, held, is with the uh, the um, discernment that comes from this, what I was talking about as gunadhamma, that, the, uh, the, that it, which you can say in, in simple English is that in the heart which loves the good. So uh, guna, G-U-N with a dot underneath, A, eh? guna, is like a spiritual quality, and, or, and dhamma is a, like a, a, a mind, an attribute of mind. So gunadhamma is like that in the heart which uh, uh, say, rejoices in the wholesome, which is uh, a, a drawn towards what is what is noble, what is uh, liberating, what is uh, what is kusala, what is uh, a, a of a of a positive, wholesome, harmonious nature. So that uh, uh, and that, that quality of akunatama, the 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 aspect of the heart that loves the good. That is supported and developed through these qualities of Hiri and Otapa, called the uh, the bright protectors. So there's a, a little sutta. You find it in the Itivutaka, the the uh, collection of teachings called the Itivutaka, which means "Thus it was said." It's sutta number forty-two in the Itivutaka, you, and you find pretty much the same sutta in the uh, numerical discourses as well. And the, the Buddha describes these qualities as the bright protectors. They, are, they have a quality of radiance, and they protect the heart. Also, the, the uh, entranceway to the temple. It's uh, unusual that Hiri and Otapa are represented in, in, sort of, uh, uh, in a, a kind of um, physical form, but uh, uh, Lumpur Sumedho particularly wanted uh, to have uh, uh, them 
as the guardians for the the temple. So you do find it some uh, sometimes in Thai iconography. So as you go into the temple, you might have noticed there's a, a devata figure on the a, a, a angelic figure on the left and on the right, one with a pink surround and one with a blue surround, and those are Hiri and Otapa. They are they represent these two. Uh, guardian uh, protectors, the two bright protectors. So deva means bright uh, or radiant, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, pala is the word for protection. And so that these two qualities are what help that discernment to to be carried out, or that that love of the good to be to be carried out and to be to be well established. So there are different ways that they're translated, and some of the early English translations um, uh, they have a, a bit of an off-putting quality. So Hiri is called something like uh, moral dread, which doesn't really make the heart sing. It doesn't make my heart sing. <laughs> yeah, and um, so uh, the term like moral dread is uh, it kind of it's meaningful, but it also gives a a, a very sort of uh, stressful or um, uh, unwelcoming tone. So uh, the um, the quality of hiri, you can call it conscience, or you can say it's that um, quality of self-respect. Your uh, like a nobility of heart, so that uh, hiri, uh, and again the, these are translated in slightly different ways in different places. But hiri is more how you're relating to your own life, your own heart, and otapa is more outwardly directed. So hiri, so if I if I have a, a, an angry impulse towards Joseph and I say something uh, hurtful to him uh, deliberately or even accidentally. That 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 pain in the heart that says, "Oh, that was a bit cruel," or "That wasn't very nice," or and maybe he's very sent. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that about his knees. Maybe that was a bit embarrassing for him. So, so that in the in the heart, that's hiri. Is that that it's a it's a painful feeling that uh, uh, when you have done something that is hurtful or selfish or greedy. Uh, you told a lie to someone, or, or you've um, you've t- taken something that wasn't uh, um, uh, wasn't yours. That that kind of tension, that cramping in the heart, that that uh, painfulness, that's hiri. That uh, it's uh, so it's a, it's an uncomfortable feeling. But just as physical pain is what protects our body, you know, pain is supposed to be unpleasant. If pain was not unpleasant, we would do more of the things that cause pain. Uh, and so pain is Mother Nature's way of protecting our bodies. So that our ancestors who damaged themselves and who didn't have much pain, they were the ones that didn't bother doing something about that infection. They didn't, uh, they, they didn't deal with that, uh, that illness or that inflammation or that injury. And then they got an infection and they died. So our ancestors, the ones who had us <laughs> over the many, many countless generations, are the ones that said, "Ouch! Wow, that really hurts. What, what's going on? I've, this this cut is really swollen. It, it's really painful. I, I better do something with that. Find some leaves to draw out the poison, or find some kind of treatment or something to help it because this really hurts. I can't function with this this pain here. I better do something." So physical pain 
protects the body. It's it's unpleasant because that's how it works. <laughs> pain gets our attention, and so we want that pain to go away. We want to do something to 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 make that pain uh, diminish and to disappear. So hiri is uh, that uh, a pain that arises in the heart from our own actions when we recollect something that we've done that was hurtful or destructive or greedy or selfish uh, it has a, 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 a discomfort there's a deli- as a, a, a kind of tensing and a cramping of the heart it's it's emotionally painful now uh, hiri and otapa uh, are considered powerful spiritual qualities they're the sign of a of a a, a, a mature and wise human being. So you might think, well, I, I don't. If I do something, uh, I don't want to feel bad about that because I just hate myself. If I remember having told a lie or done something that was hurtful, yeah, I don't want to feel pain. <laughs> That's rather like, well, I don't want to ever feel physical pain, so I'll just take morphine all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, you can do that, <laughs> but you can also cause yourself a lot of damage in that way. Some people have fantasies about morphine-impregnated meditation cushions that emanate pain-relieving fumes through your knees and your hip joints. Again, I'm not reading anybody's mind. Maybe you're thinking about patenting non-addictive morphine-impregnated zafus. But uh, the, uh, the skillful use of hiri is not to create... Uh, uh, self-hatred or, or self-criticism because uh, the the process of of, of hiri and that, that painfulness if it's used in a wise way or used appropriately there's no sense of I and me and mine around it it's not uh, it's not a, an ego-centered not a self-centered process but rather uh, it's just the, the natural result of having acted or spoken in those ways there's a painful feeling so that it tells you oh well, if I tell a lie, there's this, uh, this uncomfortable feeling. If I don't tell a lie, there isn't this, the uncomfortable feeling. Very good. <laughs> I don't have to create a me who's an evil person, who's a, who's a liar, who's, uh, who's a, should be punished, but just seeing because of this action, there's this result. So that it's, uh, it is painful, but it doesn't have to be a, a, like, uh, a guilt trip or a, it's leading to self-hatred, but rather it's an informative presence it's a painful presence that informs us like if that's done there's there's a, a painful consequence notice that be aware of that so ottapa then is directed outwards so it's, it's spoken of in in different ways in different translations but the way i, I understand it and i feel is most helpful it's like when you see cruelty or unkindness or greed uh, being acted on by by others you see somebody else uh, harming others, acting in violent or, or selfish ways, destructive ways, then otapa is that in your heart which recoils. It's, oh, that's that's uh, painful to see, and uh, that's uh, that's um, uh, something that's off-putting. When you see someone who's taking advantage of others or has been, uh, as a uh, cheating their, you know, someone who's been cheating their their customers in a in a business or taking advantage of workers in a, a country or paying them um, minuscule wages and for that uh, for their own greed that in the heart this is oh that's painful oh that's 
That's what, what an awful thing. That uh, is otapa is that that withdrawing. And the, in other places, the Buddha uses the image of like a if a, a sinew from a muscle is is dropped into a, a fire, then it coils up and retreats from the flame. It doesn't have a mind of its own, but it just naturally withdraws from the heat. And in the same way, the heart, you know, when it sees, knows. Uh, dishonesty or cruelty or selfishness and it, it withdraws, it recoils in a, exactly that same kind of natural way so here he, and it's, it's similarly it's um, when otopa is developed skillfully then it, it's not uh, built around a, a feeling of I or me or mine but rather it's seen as a natural process is what uh, when uh, you're if you've given up, if you've given up drinking and you're not interested in in, uh, in alcohol or being drunk, and you and some friends say, uh, "Well, we're we going to have a party. Do you want to come along?" <laughs> then uh, <coughs> that in the heart that says, "Yeah, uh, th- thanks, but I'll leave it." <laughs> That's otapa. You don't have to to make it into a neurotic problem like uh, of like, "Oh, I'm such an. I used to be so friendly, and I'm really unfriendly, and maybe I should." <laughs> I should go along just to show that I don't dislike them and creating complication and uh, and uh, busyness, uh, confusion around that, but rather just to recognize, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that way of being anymore. I don't want to, to do that to myself. I don't want to be around other people getting drunk it's, uh, or getting lost in, in uh, deluded states in that way. It's not beautiful. It's not enjoyable. Uh, just doesn't make my heart sing anymore. It doesn't float my boat, uh, as they say. So that uh, these, um, I feel it's a very, be- uh, very suitable and beautiful way to talk about hiri and otapa, rather than sort of, I mean, moral dread doesn't have a kind of great brightness to it. <laughs> but it's a, a skill, recognizing that there's a brightness to that skillful uh, awareness, skillful recognition of consequences. Uh, and to um, the uh, the brightness is coming from uh, that respect for your own being and that your respect and love for the the well-being uh, of others. So that is the the brightening and sort of clarifying, uh, illuminating quality that, that's uh, that's part of it. So in, in terms of developing well-being, then uh, with sort of loving-kindness as the basis, then these two qualities, hiri and otapa, there are ways that that, that loving-kindness is then informed. So uh, that attitude of everything belongs, uh, the, the, uh, uh, a, an acceptance of everything, then the hiri and the otapa uh, inform. Uh, our, our actions, our speech. Okay, everything belongs, but <laughs> uh, uh, violence belongs, but if it's followed, what are the consequences? Loving kindness, compassion belong. If it's followed, what are the consequences? So the, the more hiriotapa there is, then the more that the heart is well informed and that, that, uh, that, that quality of, of loving kindness and uh, openness, acceptance, is then... Uh, say able to guide action in, in, a, in our speech and our way of relating to others in the 
the most helpful way, beneficial way possible. Um, so this is, uh, uh, I offer these, um, I know there's a lot of Pali and some, uh, some uh, um, I'd say maybe unfamiliar principles here, but I feel over the, uh, over the next few days we can get a sense of how these qualities work in, uh, in our own minds, in our meditation and in our lives, then they're extremely helpful particularly in teasing apart the difference between, say, moral sensitivity uh, and, and self-hatred, <laughs> or how the mind takes, uh, say, the, the memory of some kind of action that we've carried out that was hurtful or, or had painful consequences, how we can bring that up, know that, and not turn it into a guilt trip or a basis for self-hatred. Uh, so these, are, I feel, are really, really useful tools. And then the more that uh, we develop Hiri and Otapa, the, the stronger that they are, it's not like making us more uh, uh, prone to, to uh, um, uh, self-criticism, but rather it, uh, the more that Hiri and Otapa are developed, then it provides a, a greater strength of brightness in our being. The... Um, there's a very uh, beautiful teaching that the, the Buddha talks about uh, how uh, when the heart is, is, a, is a sensitive to conduct, when there is sila, or this quality of, of kunatama, then how that is a, a basis for uh, our well-being and our, our liberation. Oh, it's a, a sutta is, is known as liberation is a natural process. So it's in the uh, Anguttara, the book of numerical discourses, if you're interested, book of the tens, sutta number two. But don't be too impressed because I looked it up today. The so. <laughs> <laughs> so book of the tens, sutta number two. And, and it's a, a, a quite often quoted uh, because it's like a, a sequence uh, that the Buddha points out how um, if the, there is a quality of sila, and again, as I was saying yesterday, sila doesn't just mean keeping the rules uh, of the, the precepts, but having uh, the heart fully established in this love of the good. Uh, when there is sila, uh, where, when that's the, the basis, when we live in a, a skillful, wise way, respectful of our own life and the lives of others, then... He says there is no if the heart is is grounded in sila, there's no need to wish may I be free of remorse, because one who keeps the precepts and one who whose uh, heart is as uh, committed to to goodness, to the wholesome, to the to the beautiful, the kalyana, the the skillful, that there's no need to think may I be free from remorse, because they they're not doing anything to make remorse arise. <laughs> So he said, there's, there's no need to think, one who is virtuous and who uh, keeps a sila, there's no need to think, may I be free from remorse. But um, as, uh, freedom from remorse naturally arises from that respect for, uh, for the sila. And then he said, for one who is, whose heart is free from remorse, the, the Pali for that is avipatisara, when his heart is free from remorse, there's no need for them to think, may I experience delight, pamoja, joy. There's no need for them to think, may I experience delight, because it's natural for one whose heart is free 
from remorse to feel delight. That's what is, is the intrinsic natural consequence uh, of being free from remorse. And one who experiences delight, uh, pamoja, there's no need for them to think, may I experience rapture, piti, because for one who experiences and pomoja, it's natural for uh, rapture and and uh, uh, that uh, that delight to to ripen into a uh, a kind of wholehearted enjoyment. Piti is called, and for one who is experiencing uh, piti or, or rapture, there's no ne- there's no need for them to think, "May my body be relaxed," because one who experiences delight and rapture, it's natural for their body to be relaxed. Uh, so the Pali for that is kaya samati, that when you are at ease, when the, the body is, when the mind is joyful and bright, then the natural consequence of that is the body relaxes. And then he says, for one whose body is relaxed, there's no need for them to, to wish, may I experience contentment, sukha, uh, or <coughs> quality of, of, um, of ease. Uh, Mental ease, uh, because for one who his body is relaxed, it's natural for for contentment to arise. For sukha uh, arises naturally from one whose body is relaxed, and uh, so there's no need to wish it to happen. Then he says, for one who is experiencing sukha contentment, there's the, there's no need for them to think, may my mind be concentrated, so, uh, may there be samadhi, because one who is whose body is relaxed, whose mind is contented. It's natural for samadhi to arise on its own. You don't have to wish it because the the conditions are there. So just like if you're really happy here at Amravati, you don't have to to tell your mind to stop thinking about other places because you're really happy here. <laughs> like if you do, if you're content and at home here, the mind is not thinking. Well, I could go there, and I could go there, and I could go there, and I could go there. <laughs> it doesn't do that because you're happy here. So in the same way. Uh, samadhi is the natural result if you if you're content in the body, can, uh, at ease in the body, and content in the mind. You're you're happy where you are, so the the mind doesn't have to be told concentrate, 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 because it doesn't. There's no impulse for it to go anywhere else. <laughs> it's happy to stay in this present moment. The, the causes for agitation aren't there, so it's easy for the mind to be focused, for there to be samadhi. Then the Buddha said, uh, for, for, for one in whom samadhi is established, there's, uh, there's no need for them to think, may knowledge and vision are the way things are, may, may insight arise, because it's natural for one uh, whose mind is concentrated for there to be insight, for uh, the knowledge and vision of the way things are to arise. That uh, if your mind is settled and awake and focused on the present, then you start to notice how things are, how things work. There's a, a natural attunement to the process of experience and what's called yathabhutang jnana knowledge and vision of the way things are. So insight arises. There's a recognition of that everything is in a state of change, that there is a, a, no thing that can be permanently satisfying, that, uh, that uh, things, all, all experiences are unsatisfactory in and of themselves and that there is no owner there is no uh, no doer no experiencer that uh, all the all the patterns of experience are, are not self they're not who and what we are 
So that insight naturally arises for one whose uh, mind pays a, is paying attention to the present moment. And then uh, he said, for one who, in whom there is knowledge and vision of the way things are, there's no need for them to think, may my heart uh, let go, may it be detached and, and cool, to be dis- uh, dispassionate. Because when the mind sees the way things are, then it naturally lets go. It naturally inclines towards coolness, to nibida, to dispassion, to viraga, uh, to, to ease and disenchantment. It lets go. It's, when you see that everything is empty, the, there's no inclination to hang on to it because it's empty. <laughs> but, uh, it's a very simple... You don't have to say, let go, let go, let go, because it's, it's like, well, there's no, there's no thing there, so <coughs> the letting go happens on its own. And then the Buddha said, for one in whom there is uh, like coolness of heart, dis- disenchantment, dispassion, there's no need for them to, to wish. Uh, may uh, the knowledge and vision of liberation arise, because when the heart lets, has let go and is, uh, and is uh, unentangled, unattached, then it's natural for the knowledge and vision of liberation, uh, full uh, freedom, uh, enlightenment, to arise. So you can uh, you can see in this this uh, sequence is a and it's in the book of the tens because there's ten steps. <laughs> it's a ten step program. <laughs> that uh, that uh, based on on sila, based on that uh, love of the good, then this whole process uh, unfolds on its own. And uh, in other places, the Buddha uses this image of of rain falling on the mountains. A, uh, he uses it regularly in different uh, different teachings. So just like rain falls on the on the mountain tops, you know, the, and it's natural that the rain falls on the mountain tops, and it it forms into little pools and forms into small streams, and the, the little streams form uh, join up with bigger streams, and the bigger streams join up to form larger streams, and the larger streams join together to form rivers, and the rivers flow to the oceans. Like that, that uh, the nothing has to tell the water to do that. <laughs> It's natural if the water falls on the mountain, then it, it follows those patterns and, and pathways on its own. Uh, that uh, one thing leads to another, that the, the water flows downhill, it joins with other water, it forms into the streams and the, the rivers and flows to the ocean. So in exactly the same way, these, uh, you don't have to, to, to make this process happen. It's not something that requires will or decision. It happens on its own, if the right conditions are there at the basis. So uh, uh, I felt this was also a useful teaching to, uh, to share and to, to have as something to, to be considering. That if we create and develop the, the, the right foundation, then the, the practice develops on its own. In a way, it's not something that you have to do. <laughs> it's not a, a personal thing. But if the the the, uh, the right conditions are established and effort is applied then this uh, unfolding this this development happens on its own just like the <coughs> the rain falls onto the mountain and then you don't have to have a committee meeting decide to decide to send the water downhill it will go on its own <laughs> it it follows that pathway according to its own nature and so uh, this um kind of unfolding process based on on uh, the uh, this quality of loving kindness and the love of the good and the the development of of hiri and otapa these are what 
create and su support the ideal conditions to help this uh, process of liberation to, to occur. So this is a, a way that I would characterize how we arrive at well-being, so that quality of, of liberation, enlightenment. This is the, sort of the Buddhist version of well-being. Um, and, and again, as I was saying yesterday, <coughs> that this doesn't necessarily, uh, this is not necessarily reflected in physical health, that you can arrive at that quality of total well-being while your body is in a, a sick state. <laughs> Uh, just uh, a few days ago, um, there was a message from uh, from Thailand. I think I think Savira passed it on. It's a very eminent and a wonderful uh, Dhamma teacher, Ajahn Rangjuan, who was a a, a lay uh, a laywoman who has been a disciple of Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Buddhadasa for many years, and was very well regarded as a, a teacher, a Dhamma teacher in her own right, and had many very, very committed um, students. Um, she passed away at the age of 94. Um, and there was a little description of uh, her last days. I don't think she was sick for very long. She, um, she went into hospital for a few days as her, her life was, was winding up. Uh, and that uh, uh, as her faculties were, were sort of fading, her health was... was uh, was um, running down that uh, her uh, her last words on the uh, on her deathbed were I see the Buddha I see the Dhamma I see the Sangha and just repeated that I see the Buddha I see the Dhamma I see the Sangha until the the words sort of faded out and then she died <laughs> so uh, I would say that uh, Ajahn Rangjuan, also knowing her a little bit, I met her many, many years ago, and knowing her, um, the strength of her practice, that I would say that her heart was fully established in well-being as she was dying. <laughs> that the, the body can be dying, and that still can be uh, not a, uh, an, uh, an interruption to our state of well-being. I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not recommending that we, we look towards death in order to make that happen at all. But uh, just to to uh, emphasize that, that the quality and just reading those words from from Thailand were very moving to see that's how her her life came to an end. That uh, I was like, well, that that's a good example of the, the development of of well being, uh, even though the body is you know dying and, and dies. That that's that's not an obstruction to the the quality of of uh, the fulfillment of of our capacity as a human being and uh, the, the uh, full realization of that this uh, uh, potential for for well-being so i offer these thoughts for consideration this evening